I want to talk with you this morning uh, on the topic, the next step, the next step, the next step. Christianity is a progressive faith. It is a progressive faith. Um, When I say progressive faith, it's characterized by uh, going from the simple to the complex, from the few to the many. The Old Testament to the New Testament is an understanding of the progressive nature. The ability or inability of God's people to manage this momentum of progression has been evident throughout the scripture. But it's characterized by certain words. Uh, Hebrews chapter 6, let us go on. Let us go on. Uh, Paul, when he writes to the church at Corinth, I think he says, uh, forgetting the things uh, that are past. But there's uh, another verse that's uh, there that's, uh, it's from the phrase, after these things. This is a phrase that appears in the scriptures methodically to indicate that there are events that precede events that are about to come. And a uh, good reference is Genesis 15.1. This is after Abraham has met the uh, Melchizedek and he's had an interaction with him. Uh, and Melchizedek has made offers to him, etc. He's refused. And, and Genesis 15.1 says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. What a tremendous revelation. I am your exceedingly great reward. When you look at uh, Luke 10, verse 1. Uh, Jesus in Luke chapter 9 has just had an encounter with demonic powers. He's cast the demons out of a young kid. He's uh, encountered a young man who wants to know what must you do to inherit eternal life. And he's uh, upbraided the disciples and given them some instructions. And then Luke comes in and Luke 10 1 says, And after these things, the Lord ordained elders. Right. When you look at uh, Revelation verse 19 through 1, I love this. Uh, this is after a series of events. And then John said, after these things, I heard the voice of many people in heaven saying, praises be to God. Whenever you see the word after these things, it signifies that there have been a series of events that have occurred. But those events are historical. But what we have to do is to weigh the significance of those events upon our future. Make note of this. History must speak to the future. History has a voice. We must understand that. Uh, at our church on uh, Wednesday night, we have Dr. Carolyn Driver. She's doing a series of teachings on inner healing. How many have ever heard of inner healing? Inner healing. I, I'm, um, I'm acquainted with it. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm a dentist by training. I'm a prosthodontist. I do reconstruction. So I'm always looking for balance. Balance. Uh, if you're just chewing on one side, that's not good. So I want things to balance out. You understand? I want function and also form. And also looks to go together. Well, she's talking about uh, the significance of history in your life. That is the power of unmet needs, unhealed hurts, and how they contribute to our present day behavior. And uh, some very insightful understanding that she's given us. She says at times, many things that happened back there in our past. Uh, Paul often talks about his past, how he persecuted the church and wasted it. But Paul does not dwell on that unprofitable past. In fact, Paul said, the things that I thought were gain, I consider now loss for the things of God. But she's talking about how sometimes people get stuck. Say stuck. stuck. Sometimes people get stuck back in the past by things that happen, hurts, wounds. Because you see, you are either affected by people, by words, by ideas, or by experiences. That's what affects you, fundamentally. I never forget uh, when I was applying to go to dental school, postdoctorate, I applied to the University of Southern California. Thank God I didn't come. 
But I applied, and I graduated top of my, my class at Howard University, top of my class, and uh, I wanted to go into prosthetics. And USC said, no, we won't accept you, and don't apply again. And uh, well, they just missed out on the jewel. Bless you. <laughs> but uh, I, I never forget the idea that I was first, I, I was hurt, I was wounded. But then later on, I discovered this is providential. Always know that the providence of God is always working on your behalf. And God can shut a door in order to open another. And what he did for me was to shut that door and open a door for me to go to Boston University, which at the time seemed to be the most unappealing place to be in. Cold, (laughs) snow, and some of the most obnoxious, I'm not saying all, but the ones that I've met. Because cold weather makes you strange. (laughs) And it's the kind of climate where the weather's always changing, you understand? But my point is, is that because of that event in my life back there, the dimensions of my world could have shrunk. Make note of this. The dimensions of your world will expand or shrink according to the ideas, people, and experiences you include or exclude. I said again, the dimensions of your world will expand or shrink according to the people, the ideas, the experiences you let in or you keep out. You can keep your world very small. Don't want to hear any new thing. Don't want to entertain new people. I was speaking to Brother Benjamin this morning. I said there's a principle called the law of association. Before Apollos could expand his theological paradigm, he had to meet with Aquila and Priscilla. There are some people you must meet. There are some experiences you must go through. There are some things you must hear in order to grow. The problem is that when they hear them, they can be repulsive. That's why first impressions are not always correct. Say amen, church. Your first evaluation of something is not always true. And so because of that, uh, after these things, that that those events in the past, unmet needs, words that have been spoken by parents, accusations made, sometimes wounds against your soul, can condition your response in the future. Now, my, my balance to that is that, number one, I believe that salvation is comprehensive, it's spiritual, it's psychological, and it's behavioral. Uh, we, we have been made right with God. In essence, Jesus has fixed our relationship with God. He's taken care of that. Because when God looks upon us, he doesn't see us, he sees Jesus. You understand? When I, when I see the blood. But, but you need to understand, I believe that he's fixed us. You understand? It? He's fixed the divine human connection. But I believe that he's fixed us. Some of the rejection, some of the hurts. That's why I say psychological, because see, the psychological means there must be a change. Write this word down, repentance. Repentance means to undo, unthink, unbehave, unbelieve. I'll give you a moment to think about that. To repent means to unthink, means to undo, means to unbelieve. It means to unbehave. Of course, repent means to change. And so fundamentally, I felt that when you get born again, the next step means that the things that were past were gone. Forsaking the things that are past. The sins that so easily beset you. And I felt fundamentally that in order to move ahead, it was just a matter of thinking right. And I've been wrong a few times, maybe once. And so what I've considered many times, that many times to progress forward, it's not always just a matter of you thinking right. Sometimes that can be spirit powers that hinder you. Now, I understand demons. I know the works of demons. I won't talk to you today because demonology is a 
is a, is a critical part of New Testament theology. If the New Testament church operated the way it should, we cast demons out of people during the service. Yeah. It will make y'all very nervous. Because yeah. when people start falling on their, on their face and yeah. demons coming out of them with loud cries, just like it did in Samaria, many of y'all would get up and leave. Right. You understand? So hear me, Kevin. We're not afraid of demons, but I believe in casting out demons when they're there. Yeah. But some things, it's not a matter of demons. Demons can hinder you. I don't believe demons can be in Christians. Light and darkness cannot cohabitate together. I don't believe in that. Especially if you had an Acts 2 conversion. If you repented in your heart, believed the gospel, faith came in your heart, demons were cast out of you, the Holy Spirit came in, you were baptized in water, then you enter into this new covenant, cleanse of demons. Only problem we have, we got to do something about your head. That comes the idea, the concept. You understand me now? And so I felt we just need to think. But I've also found that people sometimes get stuck in the past because there's something going on inside that's pathological, chemical, chemical imbalance. How many of you know for years we had relatives in our family, we said they were crazy. We just said they were crazy, you know, because Joe was crazy. Not recognizing, but they had a chemical imbalance. Bipolarity. How many hear those words today? So all that stuff was hidden from us. They were bipolar. Chemicals were off. I mean, they weren't thinking right because something was going on with their chemicals. It wasn't a demon. All we need to do is give them a pill. Yeah. And what we did back when I was young, we just moved them from house to house. When you got fed up with them, you moved them somewhere else. And we just moved them all around in circles. So I felt that sometimes history can still ensnare us, not because we're not unwilling to come out of it. Sometimes it's spirit. <coughs> and spirits influence you with ideas, concepts, philosophies. You may, children, what you see on the media. Watch what you see. Watch what you hear. Ideas and thoughts have power. And they condition the way you respond to life. And for somebody to constantly tell you what happened back there still influences you now. If you listen to that too long, you start to believe that. And so I believe it's a matter of thinking right. Then I discovered that some people who wanted to move forward, but they could not. Because number one, spirit powers through their ideas, that suggestion had hindered them. Some wanted to move power but could not because of a chemical imbalance, because of a pathological issues going on in their bodies that restricted them from moving forward. So I felt it was a combination of things. Make note of this. <coughs> we need people to help us to dream, to dare, and to move. God raises up people to teach us to dream. Teach us the dare and to teach us to move. In the Old Testament, it was Moses teaching Joshua. Let me show you how to dream, Joshua. Let me show you how to move. In the New Testament, it's Paul teaching Timothy. Let me show you how to believe. Let me show you how to overcome obstacles. Let me show you how to move ahead. We need people to teach us to dream, to dare, and to move. And so she's teaching a wonderful course. <clears throat> but I'm there as a sort of... Uh, a balance, if you read. There's something called the binary factor, children. Always believe that truth has two arms. Two arms. Someone asked me about truth. Truth. I said there's something called constructive truth and destructive truth. All truth is not good truth. You understand me now? All truth is not good truth. So when I say move ahead, Christianity is progressive. We need to understand that there are things in the past that can ensnare us, can restrict us. <coughs> But I've come to uh, encourage you this morning because the next step for you in your life and for this ministry is significant. And the Spirit of God wants us to know it and to take advantage of it. But he gives us some admonitions. 
admonitions or warnings. There are instructions. There are prescriptions to help you to avoid pitfalls. Make note of some of these. Uh, 1 Peter 5.8, the Lord spoke that to us this year. He said, uh, be sober, be vigilant. For your adversary comes about seeking to destroy. The word vigilant means to be conscious, be aware. <clears throat> I told my patients when we uh, first give them prosthesis, and now be careful now. Careful what you chew, what you eat. And some have been waiting to eat everything so long that uh, first thing they do is bite into something and it breaks. Be vigilant, be conscious, yeah. be aware that there are adversarial forces around. <coughs> The second admonition is 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Be steadfast, be immovable. I'm talking about the next step. The next step is the next dimension. That's the next thing that happens in our lives, whether it's occupationally, whether it's relationally, whether it's dealing with this ministry. And that's some ideas, some thoughts, some consciousness you need to enter into your mind. So number one, you won't stumble. You won't miss the bus. You understand? Don't miss the bus. Trust me, the airplane out of... Atlanta airport leaves on time. So it is sometime. <laughs> Ephesians 6, 11. Here's another admonition. A warning. He said, put on the whole what? Arm of God. Arm of God. Arm of God. That's an admonition. <coughs> here's another one. Galatians 6, 9. The Lord spoke this to us this year. He said, uh, be not weary in what? For you shall reap what? In due season if you what? Now, these are all warnings, admonitions that makes us conscious, makes us aware because how many know you can become weary? Yeah. Weariness means that you get tired, you get fed up. Well-doing has nothing, not to do just with religious things. Well-doing has to do with work. Has to do with dealing with relationship. How many of you had to deal with people who just seem to be hard to love? <laughs> hard to love. I said to a man once, Jesus can't get along with you, son. Something is wrong with you. In fact, I even warned him, you need to stay single. Rest of your life. Stay single, basically. But well-doing means whatever spill you in, working on your job without receiving commendation. That's what he's speaking about, well-doing. Be not weary in well-doing because you will reap in what? Due season if you faint not. <clears throat> How about the whole thing about putting on the whole arm of God? What do you think? All of these admonitions, these are warnings to stir your consciousness. But you need to be aware of something. These are admonitions without instructions. You hear what I said now? Yeah. It's a prescription. When I write a prescription, I write the drug. <clears throat> then I write the number one, the distribution. That is how many tablets. But then the sig has to do with how you take it. Yes. The Bible gives admonitions, warnings, suggestions, but it doesn't tell you quite how to, how do you, um, how do you not get weary? Right. How, how do you put on the whole armor of God? Yes. Like I said, you just put on a coat. No, the armor has nothing to do with clothing. Right. Nothing to do with clothing. He's fundamentally talking conceptually. Because yes. the battleground of your faith, your life, is conceptual. It's what you believe. It's what you think. That's what he's talking about. How, how, do, you, uh, how do you be vigilant? Always watchful. Are you, are you suspicious? Are you conscious? Yeah, I am. I'm a very conscious person. I, I, I'm, I, I'm vigilant. When I go to the airport, I always ex expect I'm going to meet somebody that has a problem that I didn't start. <laughs> you understand? I'm going to expect meet someone that's had a bad day, a bad life, a bad moment. Someone who's just met the devil himself, and I'm the next person in line. And they have forgotten I'm not that person. You understand? 
So it means, so when I speak of the, uh, am I making sense to you? So when I talk about the next step for you as a people, as individuals, as ministry, write down three words. Three words. Pastor Benjamin mentioned one of those that we came in this morning. Because if you're going to move ahead, you need to be aware of pitfalls and possibly diversion. Make note, children. We live in a sea of ideas and thoughts, people and events and possibilities. A whole lot of things we can do. Paul writes to the church at Corinth, said there are many voices. All of them have significance. <coughs> Everything is trying to gain your attention. We need to know that we're here for a reason. We're going somewhere. There's a destination. We don't need to miss the mark. And so there are three big words. The first was purpose. Purpose is the established reason <coughs> for your redemption. Why are you here? As a believer. I'm talking about believers today. I'm not talking about unbelievers. Unbelievers are confused. They don't know who they are, where they're going. Their, 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 their advocate is the devil. I'm talking about those who have come out of darkness, who come into light. Yes, yes. The second is perspective. Perspective. What about perspective? Perspective speaks of how things relate together. Links together. How many of you know that there's something we thought were evil turned into good? How many know that everything negative in the past wasn't for your destruction? I mean, many times there were events that happened, just like when you're a C, rejected my application. At first, first impression was, number one, I've been rejected. It had nothing to do with me. It had to do with the providence of God. Had I gone there, it would been for my destruction. Simply, it closed the door so I can open it. I mean, sometimes you can't see the hand of God. Yes. And sometimes we think rejection because, see, we don't like rejection. You know why? We have fundamental needs. Make note of these. We all have a need for acceptance. Accepted. We want to be accepted. We have a need for wholeness. We want to be whole. Like right now, when we're dealing with some physical infirmity, we don't want that. I don't want anything that weakens me, hinders me. It causes me to cough and do things like this here. A Starbucks would have solved this problem this morning. <laughs> Green tea with half steamed soy would have done the deal. That's my problem this morning. Water won't touch it. <clears throat> okay? We have a need for acceptance, for wholeness. We have a need for assurance. Assurance. All of you have a need for assurance. You want to know if where you're going, you'll get there. You want to know if it'll be without problems. Make note. Every journey has its problems. Yes. A journey without problem, hear me carefully, is a, is a, how can I use the word here? It is not an exciting journey. There's something about the journey that makes it exciting. We have a need for acceptance, for assurance, for wholeness. And we have a need for liberty. Then when these things are not there, they redirect us. They cause us to ask questions. What are some of the fundamental questions we ask? Here's the first question you ask. Because every time you entail some challenge, you want to know, will God help us? First question. Will God help us? Second question is, will we have enough? Whether you're buying a house. How many of you bought a home? How many of you start your own business? If you're like me, if you're going to school, how many of you want to know if you'll have enough? If you'll be successful, because after all, to go to school means you leave something. You can't go somewhere without leaving somewhere. Right. Did you understand what I mean now? Sometime in order to get one place, you must leave another place. Yes. In order to walk into the future, sometimes you have to disconnect with the past. Yes. <clears throat> but if you do that, you want to know, will you have enough? Yes. Or number three, will you lose everything you have? Those of you that work in investments and things of this nature. Now forget, when I went away to dental school, started my practice, I want to know, will I lose everything I have? 
That's a big question we have because life is risky, you see. The fourth question is, if you come down with an incurable disease, will faith in God heal you? That's a question, isn't it? <coughs> Jesus, parenthetically, turned water into what? Wine. Wine. So that says that there can't be anything <coughs> wrong with wine. Don't look at me like you're not New Testament believers. <laughs> he changed the water into what? Wine. wine. And then they drank the what? Wine. wine. The last supper he said to the wine, this is my blood. He was speaking of the wine, but he said, not transubstantiation, he said, this is my blood. So there's nothing really bad about wine. Amen? Well, you're not ready for the statement, so I won't make it. <coughs> make it. But each of these questions we have, will God help us? Will we have enough? Will we lose everything? You come down with a disease where faith in God heals you. And here's the last one. Have I been believing the right things? Or have I been believing the wrong things? I'm talking about the next step. Let me give you something that's going to allow you to take the next step and move ahead without, number one, falling to a pitfall. Okay? I'm going to put these under the category of perspectives. Perspectives. Perspectives, I'm going to be through. Perspectives. <coughs> I've been in the ministry all of my life. <coughs> I think I was born into it because when I was being born in rural Georgia, my grandmother prayed that I'd be a preacher and a doctor. And... Uh, she gave me a little Bible later on when I was old enough. <clears throat> and so I became both. I've since understood that when a grandmother prays for you, you have no choice. <laughs> <laughs> but along this journey, I, I, uh, I didn't wonder because uh, a lot of members of my family were Christians. But there were many alternatives and options and different courses. I worked at different jobs along the way. One time I worked as a handler of freight, paid a lot of money, and I worked as a system equipment engineer. And uh, I discovered that uh, money can sometimes be a precipitating factor to the wrong decisions. Mm. And desperation can be the catalyst to irrationality. Mm. When you get desperate, sometimes you make wrong decisions. All right. And were it not for the grace of God, uh, we probably would have bought a house prematurely, capability, but the Lord shut the door. Probably would have accepted a job that was below the calling that God had for us. Yes, sir. And probably would have listened to the counsel of uh, people. Make note, uninspired counsel is demonic. Record this, children. Uninspired counsel is demonic. Your reference is Moses and the, the spies. Uninspired counsel. We saw spies over there. We're like grasshoppers. That counsel was uninspired, and it was demonic. We could have listened to uninspired counsel that told us, you don't want to take a step forward. You don't want to go to a place you've never been to before. You can't go in an unfamiliar territory because you have no guarantees. Who's going to be there to help you? You need us. You need to stay back here. It's familiar. You know this place. We're going in a place we've never been into before. 
And sometimes when you're taking the next step, you're not hearing the voice of God. Make note of this here. The silence of heaven is no indication that God didn't hear you. It's an indication that God has already spoken and he knows you heard him and that you're going to do what he said. Get the tape and hear what I'm saying. When God is not speaking a whole lot. That's because, number one, he said all he needs to say. God is stingy with words. He doesn't like to repeat himself. And so we had many choices that were interests, interests, compelling interests on each side as we walked forward. And I had to develop a perspective. And looking back retrospectively, what I'm going to share with you these next few minutes are the products of, I would say, over 40 years of experience in things of God. 40 years of experience. Um, I come from a mega church, thousands of members. I've seen the rise and fall of many. I've seen mega churches, master churches. In fact, I'm writing a piece now on the master church. It's not a church that's known necessarily by its buildings, not known by the number of people. Because church has nothing to do with place. It has to do with people. So the master church is not identified by its economic base. God can do much with little. But he can take nothing and accomplish much. I like the admonition. He has confirmed the mighty with the weak. And so these are perspectives. These are views that have helped. First of all, theologically, they help us. Because one of the things I've seen in people taking the next step, sometimes they begin to over-specialize in a very narrow aspect of Christianity. We've seen it over the years, whether faith or healing or miracles or worship. Those are one dimension. <coughs> and so the first perspective I want to give you in moving the next step, in order for you to get there, is full counsel. Full counsel. <coughs> I am a specialist. That seems to be a contradiction, doesn't it? But I'm a specialist, but I recognize others. Even though I do one thing in my practice, I recognize other people that are involved. The endodontist, the orthodontist, the oral surgeon. I know you don't want to hear the, none of these names, because all of them create pain. I'm the only one that blesses you. <laughs> only one that blesses you. Okay, all right? Full counsel. That is, you must learn to keep truth in tension. Make note of this, children. You must learn to keep all opinions, all views in proper relationship. Sometimes the loudest opinion is the wrongest opinion. You understand now? Sometimes people give you counsel that may be true, but it's only one dimension of the truth. You understand that? I was doing a uh, funeral, a eulogy. And I kept hearing the preachers talking about the departing one. The Lord took her. Yes. And I came back. I said, let's get this theological error out of the way. <clears throat> God didn't take her. He received her. Because mm. if you get in your mind that God took that person, that makes me very unhappy with God. A God who would create that kind of pain, that kind of distress. And you telling me I'm to love him. I can't, I can't serve him because I love him. I serve him because I fear him. I don't know what he may do next. So the full counsel is to have all truth, all counsel, all wisdom. Have an intention. Don't let one out pull the other. Am I making sense to you? Yes. Have that. The next, hear me carefully, is transcendence. And making that step, you must learn that there are more people out there than you. And that there are people who have opinions that differ from yours. Transcendence. 
Means, and you must learn how to look beyond your borders. Because, see, you can take the next step and still be in your small world. Do you understand now? Progress means to expand the borders of your world. And to do that, you must encounter people who differ from you, who look strange. I forget when we built our cathedral, the first message preached was, Whosoever will, let him come. We were taking the next step. And that was strange people that came. People were living in all kind of situations. All kind of situations. And our people had been accustomed to a monolithic look. Everything looks the same, sounds the same, sings the same. And all of a sudden, all different kind of music, all different styles and things of this nature, all food preferences, all of these kind of things came together. And they didn't know how to adjust. Remember I say now, Christianity is progressive. It changes. It's expanding. The world is to be filled with the glory and the knowledge of God. All nations are to see him. And we are locked in our mind, one. Transcendence means you must see the vastness of God's creation. The next, believe it or not, <clears throat> is foundation. Pastor Benjamin and I were talking about foundation truths. Hebrews 6, we're going to have to go back and camp there for a while. We're going to have to go back and lay foundations, baptism, okay? All these kind of things. Because people have forgotten foundations. Some would just come right in and just thought they could grow. Cannot grow without foundation. Foundation is what keeps you. If the foundations be removed, what would the righteous be? And so you must have found, if you're going to move ahead, foundation includes your concept of God. Who is he? Is God an unjust judge? Is he like a parent that's never satisfied? Is he like a landlord that evicts you if you don't pay your tithes? That's what we were told. If you don't pay your tithe because you owe God, God is going to evict you. Is he a providential God who only desires women to serve and men to rule? Is that the kind of God he is? Yes, what kind of God is it? So foundation has to do with your concept of God. has to do with your concept of the Holy Spirit. Why is he here? He's not here for goosebumps. No. He's not here for good feelings. Make note of this, children. We communicated too much emotions in Christianity. Zeal, enthusiasm, and passion, they're not feelings. They're convictions. I quote B.B. King, chapter 5, verse 2. <laughs> when the thrill is gone. Even when there's no feeling, when there's no emotion, you must learn to move. Because at times, you don't have feelings, you don't have emotion. Love is not a feeling, love is a conviction. Ministry is not a feeling. I have young preachers now, I want to give up because I don't have the passion, I don't have the zeal. I said, no, 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 you didn't have that before. You had an infection. You just didn't know it. <laughs> Foundations. We must build upon the right reason why we do things. The Holy Spirit is here to illuminate us. Give us an understanding to help us to see. Help us to understand and comprehend the things of God. We receive the Holy Spirit not as emotion. Not as intelligence. You receive him as power. The intelligence of God is in the scripture. We need to understand the power of God. You cannot do spiritual things without spiritual power. <laughs> cannot do it. I have some of my young ministers and older ministers now. They are relying upon their intellectual capability. I like what Paul said. I did not come to you with enticing words of man's wisdom. Yeah. 
or with the demonstration of the Spirit and in power. That's why I came to you. I don't want your faith to stand in words. I want your faith to stand in words and power. That's what I want to. Foundation is necessary. The next, hear me carefully, is long range. Long range. Long range. We need to learn to see the future. But children, you need to have an eye on the past. It's important sometimes to know where you come from. As I said earlier, history does speak. Talking about the next step. Next step. There's some things you can't cast aside. I've come out of the ministry where I know the meaning of pain. I know the meaning of rejection and control. I'm very familiar with that. You can't live in this life to escape those. In fact, life is a complex word into which a lot of other words must fit, such as pain, distress, disappointment, disillusionment, despair, and happiness, and joy, and peace. All of those fit into that word called life. You understand me now? So I know the meaning of that. And so even though I have an eye on the future, I know where I came from. And the Spirit of God said to me, there are some memories that will never fade. They'll be wasted. Let me say something to your children as an old man. There's some pain that won't go away. <clears throat> but it's the consciousness of some pain that continues to motivate me. Amen. It's like the scar. Every time I touch the scar, it reminds me. But if it's negative, it reminds me that I won't go there again. All right. That will not touch me again. That will not weaken me again. And it will not make me angry either. Because self-anger is self-weakness. So long range. And then endurance. Next step, endurance. Endurance means to finish the course. Finish the course. I don't know about you, but I don't have an alternative plan. I didn't. When I came into the ministry, I didn't have an alternative plan. If this doesn't work... <laughs> Just in case, you know, that, that, that was no investment plan over here, you know, after this, you know, wasn't there. Endurance. I was committed to it. I'd put my hands to the plow. In this case, I couldn't look back. Couldn't look back in that situation here. Endurance. Have you made a commitment? Commitment. Commitment to life. In marriage. Marriages for grown people, not children. I said again, marriages for grown people, not children. I said again, marriages for grown people, not children. Okay, I'm going to let y'all rest again. Let me say it over here. Marriage is for grown people, not children. You get that? You get that point? Okay. Quote me over here. Marriage. You don't talk back in California, do you? <laughs> Marriage is trouble. Marriage is like the weather. Sometimes the sun shines. Sometimes the rain falls. Sometimes there are tornado warnings. So every marriage needs a weather forecaster. Someone to look beyond just the clouds and yes. see something. Someone to look beyond the obvious. Yes. The next step in relationship, the next step in business, the next step in ministry. Here's the word of the Lord to you. Well, this I'll end. You're at the next step in this work in ministry. The next step. 
And because God has brought you so far, you have no justification to doubt anything. Amen. No justification at all. There's no validation for any fear or anxiety. None at all. There's no reason to question finances, to believe that everything God did for you, he did it with a little. You never had enough. Why now are you dependent upon that kind? But we need filthy lucre. Don't get me wrong. My last trip to the grocery store, they were not accepting air. Understand? But your next step would be one of faith and confidence. For your questions, he will give you assurance. And when you get to a place of nervousness, he'll give you joy. He'll bring memories. He'll raise up speakers and voices from among you and from outside of you to speak. He's already given testimonies of his power to bring people into your life that you need at strategic time. Don't be concerned about physical places. Don't be concerned about that, children. He can, from these rocks, raise up children. He can take <laughs> a stone, turn it into bread. How much little is it for God to do these wonderful things? You think miracles are just blinded eyes open? Lame feet being healed, deaf ears being opened? You think that's miracles? Do you understand the vastness of this providential God who can do everything? Who set the constellations in that place. Caused the sun to be the custodian of the day. The moon the guardian of the night. Who spoke to the stars and said to them. This is where I put you. Stay there. Come on, come on. Huh. Who can speak through a dumb ass if he chooses. <laughs> I made said that statement at a conference. And the man that was preaching. He said. Bishop are you saying. Your next step will not be without challenge. There'll be opportunities to doubt. There will be. There'll still be questions. And there'll be some, hear me carefully, some dredges from the past. See, memory has to talk to you, children. The past has to visit you at times. Because it reminds you of your humanity. We're not yet divine, you understand. Has to remind us of that. But in the midst of it, you hear the words of this old preacher. God has foreordained your future. He set you on a path. And that good thing he began, he will complete. So, stop talking about what you can't. Start talking about what you can. And you'll be amazed at what you do. I'm through. (laughs) 